0: This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media, thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation today at vision.org.au Welcome to Leading the Way with pastor and international Bible teacher, Dr. Michael Youssef. You've probably experienced a time with friends or family, especially in the holidays, when biting words or an insensitive action created awkwardness and tension in a relationship. Up next on Leading the Way, encouragement to fully embrace the grace you've been given by Jesus and introduce it into your daily life, specifically in tough relationships. Here now is Dr. Michael Yusuf to begin. Family
1: Conflicts are always unpleasant. Family feuds sometimes even causes physical illness. Family fights are painful and distasteful. But terrible as they are, what is even worse is that there are people who dread the process of reconciliation more than the conflict itself. There are people who would rather stay apart and unreconciled, simply because they see the process of reconciling to be a painful one. And that is why you find a lot of believers, Christians, find it easier to stay apart than be reconciled. is that? I wondered in my own mind, and I really wanted to know, in, in my own heart, I began to draw back on years of ministry experience. I came to the following conclusions. Many people find it easier to keep on harboring resentment. There are many people who find it easier to keep on nursing anger. There are many people who find it easier to rationalize the reason for the fallout. Well, he did this, and she did this, and he did this, and she did this, and he said this, and, he sh- and they rationalize it in their minds. They comfort themselves with the rightness of their cause. They often remind themselves of their presumed innocence in the matter. But why is this? Because some people just would do anything to avoid conflict. And they'll say it's easier this way than to reconcile. In the last message, we saw Jacob limping across the river after God touched his hip. But after God wrestled with Jacob, and God won and Jacob surrendered, after God confirmed to Jacob yet again, of his plan for his life, of his plan for his future, and the fact that the Messiah will come through him. After the joy of meeting God face to face, after the joy of victory and the blessings that came from surrendering to God, now it is time for Jacob to do what he did not want to do for 20 years. (laughs) Now it's time for him to do what he dreaded doing for 20 years. What is it? Clean up the past. Clean up the past. Face his brother Esau whom he wronged, whom he cheated 20 years earlier. Beloved, I want you to listen to me very carefully. Because there's one thing that believers don't seem to understand. At least modern day believers People in days gone by understood this biblical principle. But modern-day believers seem to kind of ignore this biblical principle altogether. And it is this. Our inward salvation, the work of God's forgiveness of our sins through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, must find an outward expression of confessing to others. The inward work of God in our lives by grace and the forgiveness of our sins and the salvation that we receive from the hand of the Lord Jesus Christ must be expressed in our outward willingness to make restitution to the ones we have wronged. The inward work of Christ in salvation and forgiveness must be manifested In our willingness, not to just say sorry and move on as if nothing happened, but to right the wrong. You know, restitution is a word that is really missing from our vocabulary. Believers don't talk about restitution much. While it ought to be at the helm of all work of reconciliation. I want you to hear me right on this one. Lack of willingness to make restitution cheapens repentance lack of restitution throws doubt on the authenticity of repentance even partial restitution is not good enough it's not good enough I want you to turn with me please to Genesis 33 verse 3 Genesis 33 3 and I want you to notice When Jacob encountered his brother Esau, he immediately went about the task of making restitution. Not just say, I'm sorry. In fact, you know what? You never hear him say, I'm sorry. I'm going to come to that in a minute. But he went about the task of restitution. He bowed down seven times. Seven times he kept bowing to his brother Esau and called him my Lord Esau. Twenty years earlier, Jacob cheated him of his birthright, stole his blessing, deceived his father. Now, after God had wrestled with Jacob, the new Jacob bows down to his brother Esau and calls him, my Lord, Esau. Now, after God had changed Jacob's heart, Jacob became humble. And at the evidence of the changed heart, not only that he bowed to him seven times, the great mark of humility at that time in that part of the world, but he insisted on his brother receiving the gifts that he sent, saying, this is my way. Of making restitution for what had taken place 20 years ago. Beloved, I want to tell you something. If there is a repentance, there has to be a fruit of repentance. Cheap gospel, cheap repentance will not cut it. When Jacob received the forgiveness of God for his sins, he became willing to confess his sin against his brother and ask for his forgiveness. Let me ask you this. Have you been carrying bitterness in your heart for a long time? Are you carrying anger and resentment towards someone? Are you, have you sinned against someone? Have you been under conviction that you've sinned against God? Have you been under conviction that you've wronged someone, or you've taken advantage of someone, or that you have taken somebody else's property, or that you have cheated someone, or that you have cheated God of His tithes and offerings? Let me tell you, on the authority of the Word of God, there is no amount of singing songs. There is no amount of Bible studies that you can go to. There is no amount of sermons that you can hear that will be able to help you or change your heart. There is no amount of rationalization and saying, well, I did this because of that, or I had to do what I had to do at the time, or anyone in my situation would have done the same. No, 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 no. I ain't going to help you. That's not going to help you. None of this will be a substitute for writing the wrong. Amen. Jacob bowed down seven times and called his brother, my Lord Esau, and insisted on him receiving the gift. Now, beloved, I want to tell you, asking for forgiveness takes humility. It really does. It takes humility this is very important. I don't want you to miss this. (laughs) Because what we often don't understand is that when we purpose in our hearts to make restitution, when we purpose in our hearts to seek the forgiveness of those whom we have wronged, God is working on the other side as well. He's not just working on you. He's not just working on me. He's working on the other person. God is working on the other side let me show it to you here in the scripture here in Genesis 33 well actually everything we know that we've been seeing through the series of messages about brother Esau is that he was godless he did not fear God he was into himself he was into instant gratification he was rough and tough and wild (laughs) I mean that's all we know about the guy but God had already gone ahead of Jacob and changed even Esau's heart and prepared Esau's heart to forgive his brother. And when you purpose in your heart to right the wrong, God will go ahead of you. He'll prepare the other person's heart. God will go ahead of you and work things out to surprise you. Beloved, before God touched Jacob's heart, as we saw in the last message, before God wrestled with Jacob and brought him to submission, Jacob sent others ahead of him. And you noticed he kept his favorite wife and favorite son behind. He sent out Leah and her boys. (laughs) Still scheming, still manipulating. Still operating, the old Jacob, still going. <laughs> you know, his mind was, well, if I do this, if I do this, and if I do this, he'll do this, and if I do this. I mean, it's the old Jacob, that we've seen him all over this time. But when God wrestled with Jacob, Jacob goes up front. He goes up front. I don't want you to miss this. Having been conquered by God. Now he has new courage to face his past sins. Having been conquered by God, now he has a new strength to go and face his brother Esau. Not in his own strength, not in his own power. He would have hid 20 more years. But now he's doing it in the power of the one who conquered him. And it works the same way with us. works the same way with us. In our reconciliation, we often forget the power of God working not just in us, but in others. I want to tell you something about resolving past conflict and about cleaning past sins, confessing past wrongs to people that you have wronged. Listen to me carefully, please. The problem with old sins and past bitterness, when they're not resolved, they do not go away. Do you know where they go? They go underground. They really do. They never go away. They go underground. Do you know why the Bible calls that the root of bitterness? How many of you have ever seen the root of a tree? Unless you dig it up. You can't see it. It goes underground, and that's what the Bible says you can't see it. You're aware of it. Intellectually, you know there's a root to this tree. If it's a tree, it must have roots. <laughs> and you see it, and you experience it. And you, when you do things, it, it goes in your mind, and you're aware of it, but you can't see it. It goes underground. And you know what the problem is? When it goes underground, it poisons the soil, and it hurts a whole lot more people than you realize. Restoration is not easy. I'm going to tell you because I've been through it once or twice, a few times. And therefore, if you go out of here thinking that Michael said the act of restoration, reconciliation, and restitution is easy, you have misunderstood me. (laughs) I am not saying it's easy, not at all. Bearing fruit of repentance is not a walk in the park. Listen to me. Correcting past wrongs (laughs) can give you a dread in your heart. It can give you a horrible feeling in the pit of your stomach. You can tell that I've been there. But there's no alternative. There's no alternative. Facing past sins will bring you... The greatest blessing that you could ever dream of next to your salvation. On your own, it is difficult. On your own, I even dare say, it is impossible. But when you do it in Jesus' power, when you do it in Jesus' name, when you do it for Jesus' sake, you will have all the strength you will need. Because God will go ahead of you and He will prepare others' hearts. It is very, very important to understand what I'm about to tell you. Reconciliation and restitution is more than just mouthing the words, sorry, it's more than that. Why? Because genuine repentance and restitution challenges our pride. It causes you, and it causes me, to humble ourselves. Jacob bowed seven times, my Lord Esau. It causes us to admit our sin, and it calls us to deal responsibly with the consequences of our actions. And that's why it is hard on the flesh and by the flesh. It is hard, but the power of Jesus, it's easy. Repentance involves costly obedience, not merely mouthing the words. That is why genuine repentance, restitution, reconciliation, genuine repentance, it causes others to sit up and take notice genuine repentance is impactful on the lives of others. What happened to Bill? What happened to Michael? What happened to Sue? What happened? About 10 years ago, a very prominent man in this city, and when he knelt with me in my office and gave his life to Christ, (laughs) he said publicly to thousands of people that he spent the next two weeks making phone calls. And he was willing to make whatever restitution of anyone who wronged. See, I'm sorry. Just mouthing the words is not, you know, that's, that's what kids do, you know. I'm sure if you have kids, you, you understand what I'm talking about. And when mom and dad get involved in the problem between the two siblings, and, and you ascertain that one is wrong and one is right, and, and you say to the one who did the wrong, I said, now, nah, say sorry. I'm not going to say sorry. Well, say sorry or you're not going to have dessert tonight. Oh, I'm Sorry. <laughs> As soon as mom and dad leave the room, said, I didn't mean it. (laughs) That's not what I'm talking about. When Esau saw his brother's true humility and confession and repentance and restitution, he was overwhelmed. What happened to my brother? (laughs) Oh, yeah. God wrestled with him last night. And God won, and he lost. Isn't that great? (laughs) And so, instead of wanting to kill his brother, the Bible said he embraced him. He fell on his neck, and he kissed him. Beloved, one of the greatest marks of humility, one of the greatest marks of maturity in the Christian faith is when you're able to say, I'm sorry I wronged you, and I'm willing to do whatever it takes to make it right. You know, most preachers, and I'm included, we often preach on the power of forgiveness. Even secular motivational speakers always tell you: when you forgive somebody, you have the upper hand, you have the healing. And I dare say that not only I preached on this, I'll be preaching on it again and as God spares my life, keep on preaching. But you know that it really seldom do preachers, including this one, preach on the power of asking for forgiveness. Because forgiving appeals to our pride, asking for forgiveness demolishes our pride. And the blessing of asking for forgiveness are incalculable. Peace that passes understanding, removing the shadows that are hanging over you, restoring you to a full spiritual health, but it also will bring you answers to prayer. Yes, yes. Answers to prayer. said, Michael, how, how did you come up with this? Psalm 66, 18. The Word of God says, if I cherish a sin in my heart, God will not answer me. If I cherish a sin in my heart, God will not answer me. Psalm sixty-six, eighteen. 18. And so, my friend, I want you to take a moment and examine your life. What sin do I need to confess and to whom? Do I need to confess to God? Have I sinned against the Holy God? I need to confess to my spouse? Do I need to confess to a son or daughter? Do I need to confess to a father or mother? Do I need to confess to a brother or sister? Do I need to confess to a co-worker or a neighbor? And today, today make the decision to make that phone call that you've been dreading for a long time. God is going to go ahead of you. Today, make that decision to make the visit that you need to make.
0: Dr. Michael Yusuf on the power of seeking forgiveness and reconciliation. If you'd like to talk with a member of the Leading the Way pastoral team about how to experience forgiveness from God, please fill out a short contact form at ltw.org slash Jesus. If you'd like to participate in what God is doing through Leading the Way around the world, visit ltw.org. Or you can always speak to a helpful ministry representative when you call 1-300-133-589. Hey, if you're not able to worship in your own home church, then allow us to invite you to join Leading the Way Live at Apostles. You can experience Dr. Yusuf's sound teaching alongside those attending his church in Atlanta. It's like you're live, just virtually. It all happens at 10.30 Eastern Time on most Sunday mornings. It's all there waiting for you at ltw.org.